0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 30 of the For the Love Data podcast. I'm your host, Robert Furr, and today it's just going to be me on a solo episode. We've had some great interviews recently, and we're going to have more of those in the coming months, but for this month, we're going to take uh, Divergence and go through a news roundup because there's been a lot of uh, activity in tools like BI and data visualization tools, in some of the databases and platforms, and even in some of the uh, other ML and AI types of tools. So I've got a variety of headlines that I've been tracking and I wanted to give you some commentary on. I would love for you to check out the show notes that will have highlights of these and links at ForTheLoveOfData.com E30. And you can definitely leave me a comment on Twitter or uh, where the show notes are, and uh, let me know if you disagree with any of my uh, conjecture or if there's anything else you'd like to talk about. So let's start off with some of the BI and DataViz tool news. Uh, one of the first things is some enhancements to Power BI. So Microsoft has enhanced Power BI um, to give it some more fundamental data prep capabilities, very likely um, to compete with Tableau's uh release of their data prep tool that used to be called Maestro. Uh, So so Microsoft BI is going to extend Power Query and the experience there um, to let people ingest, transform, integrate, and enrich data directly in the Power BI web service. And you'll be able to connect to on-premise and cloud-based data sources to do this. Uh, Some of the sources that they cite in the release is Dynamics 365, Salesforce, Azure SQL Data Warehouse, and you can also do Excel and SharePoint, of course. Uh, And they also released uh, a data connector that will let you connect to Azure Data Lake Storage, and they increased the integration with SQL Server Analysis Services and SSRS as well. Uh, Another thing that kind of slipped by a few people but I found really interesting is they also announced recently the general availability of the Visio Visual for Power BI. I don't know if I can say that three times fast. Let's see. Visio visual, visio visual, visio visual, visual. It's like training for a theater major. Um, so they released a beta version of this last year. And if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty cool, uh, video where you can actually take a Visio diagram and embed it in your, uh, your Power BI report. And you can wire up different pieces of the, uh, of the visio diagram to data. So if you had a schematic or a blueprint of a uh, of a building, and you wanted to take different rooms in the building and color code them red, yellow, green based on data coming from Power BI, you have the ability to do that. Uh, so that data has been out for a while. They've been making enhancements to it. They released it GA, uh, and some of the things that that came out with the GA release are it's supported in the BI, the Power BI mobile app. Uh, you can change the diagram link that's embedded and copy an embedded link into the clipboard. There's some auto zoom settings that can be turned on and off. Uh, there's more complex diagram support, even supporting layers and just overall performance improvements. So, like I said, if you haven't seen that, it's pretty cool to see uh, the workflow and the diagram capabilities of the Visio Visual. Uh, There are a lot of other data visualization tools out there that don't offer anything quite like that. And not to be outdone is a a good old trusty Tableau. They announced the acquisition of Empirical Systems, which is an AI startup with automated discovery and analysis, Um, and what this is going to allow them to do is implement this product into Tableau, and it's supposed to give you the ability to spot influencers, key drivers, and exceptions within data. So Tableau has been working on some of the AI capabilities they made an acquisition last year on this as well, and so they're continuing uh, toward that. And I've seen a lot of commentary about self-service BI and how AI seems to be something that's going to fill the gap uh, with the self-service BI space. So a lot of people have said, hey, it's great that these tools are out there and some people are using them, but they're still exists a gap between your sort of traditional power users that can pick up SQL or can pick up Tableau and run with it and your uh, other business or functional users that don't want to write queries. They don't want to mess with learning the intricacies of a data visualization tool. And so a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in being able to use AI to take over repetitive tasks and produce some of these things and take some of that mundane work out of Um, out of the hands of some of the the normal everyday business users. And I think this is an example of Tableau kind of doubling down on that that theory and that that trend that's being spotted in the market. Right on the hills of that is another BI or data viz tool, Looker, um, who announced the integration with Google Cloud BigQuery ML. So they've taken Looker and BQML And now you can create machine learning models directly in Google BigQuery via Looker. So you don't have to take the data into a dedicated ML tool and do that. You can now do all of that within Looker. And the predictive functionality of BQML will be integrated into Looker blocks and allow users to find predictive measures in dashboards and applications. So between uh, the three, Power BI, Tableau, and Looker, all some... Key new developments if you're a user of one of those tools or you're looking into those. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about some databases and platform improvements. MemSQL released version 6.5. If you're not familiar with MemSQL, it's a distributed, scalable SQL database uh, that aims to handle transactional and analytic workloads. Um, you're supposed to be able to ingest real-time data and uh, through something like Kafka or Spark as well as historical data. They offer streaming ingest. They store historical data. They make the data available through a variety of traditional tools uh, and uh, you can connect to it with BI and data viz tools like Tableau. Um, it, it offers uh, storage of relational, JSON, geospatial, and full-text uh, formats. So... A lot of variety there with it. If you aren't familiar with it, you might want to check it out. But in their latest release, they've made quite a few improvements. Queries are now four times faster than previous MemSQL versions. And those previous versions were already, in some cases, up to 10 times faster than legacy data providers. Um, So you know, one of their key bits of advertising uh, lingo is enabling insights in milliseconds across billions of rows. They added a workload optimization capability. to allow it to provide more consistency under high concurrency without the need for manual tuning or having a special DBA uh, come in and do any tuning. Um, they also added to what they call transform as you ingest capabilities, allowing people to use stored procedures for in-database transformations uh, on real, real-time data pipelines. Um, so you can actually build that in and have it act on it as data is coming through the pipeline. And lastly, they have resource optimization improvements for multi-tenant deployments that deliver greater control and scalability for varied database sizes. So um, this is just if you are um, part of a shared deployment or if you are deploying for multiple customers, you're going to see some uh, improvements there on your overall uh, footprint of MemSQL. Then, another really big announcement is Hortonworks Data Platform. They released version 3.0, uh, and Hortonworks is pretty well known for uh, a flavor of Hadoop that, uh, that, that they support, but they've also got a data platform that they released earlier this month, and um, the big change here is they're now supporting data storage in all of the major public clouds, including Amazon S3. As your storage blob, as your data lake, and especially Google Cloud Storage, that was one of the uh, big announcements out of this. They also support uh, AWS Elastic MapReduce file system. Um, so what you're kind of seeing here is a downplane in the market of Hadoop and HDFS uh, in lieu of support of some of these other uh, provider-native storage formats. And so it kind of begs the question, is HDFS and Hadoop starting to die out? That may be something worth exploring in another episode on its own. So if anybody's got any commentary on that, I'd love to hear from it. But um, with HDP 3.0, their release, um, they have made quite a few changes here. It can be deployed both on-premise and in the major cloud platforms. Uh, And a lot of the features are based on Hadoop 3.1. It supports containerization, GPU support name node federation, and um, something that they're calling a trusted data lake platform. So they've got a few new components in that they've brought in to support that. One is Apache Ranger, and another is Apache Atlas. And they've also done some streamlining, and they're trimming some fat. Um, They removed uh, functionality that was from Apache Falcon, Mahout, uh, Flume, and Apache Hue and they uh, moved apache slider functionalities from that into apache yarn so you can see some consolidation there some removal of old tools that were not being used and have been eclipsed by other parts of the framework so please check that out if you if you haven't heard the uh, the announcement about http and lastly i'm going to move on to several announcements on tools and frameworks a big one is python 3.7 is now available Um, there's a lot of new features here one is um, data classes uh, that reduce boilerplate when working with data in classes. Um, There's some uh, changes in the way that exceptions are handled, and that can cause some backward incompatibilities, so be careful about that. Um, They've introduced a developer mode for the interpreter, and one of the coolest things is they've given easier access to the debuggers through a new breakpoint built-in function. So before, you had to call a specific uh, function or that was not necessarily out of the box where you had to do some kind of kludgy things to, to get a breakpoint in there. But now it's a really simple function call. It's pretty cool. Um, there's also improved support for type pinning and higher precision timing functions. So if you work with a lot of time formats there, um, that might do you something good. But another key part of this new release of 3.7 is that it's very fast. So there's less overhead in many of the methods uh, a lot of the method calls are up to 20% faster in general, and the startup time of Python is reduced by 10 to 30%. And I haven't used this function, but if you import typing, it's up to seven times faster now. So, um, a lot of key improvements there if you're a user of Python, by all means, check it out. Uh, and then next is Apache OpenNLP, their natural language processing framework, version 1.9, it was released and it supports a lot of common NLP tasks. So don't have too much information on that, but check that out. It, uh coincidentally, just like Apache released 1.9.0 of open NLP, Google also released version 1.9.0 of TensorFlow. And some of the major features here are, there is a new uh, get started and programmer's guide for Keras, and they updated the API for that. Um, They added support of core feature columns and losses to gradient boosted tree estimators. Um, The Python interface for the TF Lite optimizing converter has been expanded. uh, And they improved data loading and text processing with a few different functions. And they also added experimental support for some pre-made estimators. So again, I know that one's kind of specific for a few people that are doing things with TensorFlow, but go check that out. And uh, maybe they and OpenNLP will stay neck and neck as far as version releases. Um, the last thing that I'm going to leave you with on here is um, I'll, I'll put a, uh, a picture of this in the show notes, but something I came across that was kind of interesting is there is a site that called PYPL um, that ranks different languages by uh, popularity. And so I took a look at it. I think it's got the top 20, um, but interestingly, it listed Python as the number one language um, with 23% of share and an increase of 5.5% compared to a year ago. So a lot of the other languages on here moved up a couple uh, a couple tenths of a percentage point, maybe up or down half a percentage point or eight tenths. So pretty small movements, all um, less than 1% for the most part. But Python jumped up 5.5%. That's a huge jump. Java was down a little bit. JavaScript was up very slightly. PHP and C-sharp were down, and R was uh, about the same as it was before, but it's number seven, so Python number one, R number seven. What was interesting to me is that SQL didn't even make the list on, definitely not on the top 10, but possibly not on the top 20, which uh, I guess you can split hairs here and say it's not a programming language specifically, but not even T-SQL or PLSQL or anything like that was on there. So... That is quite a bit of information to throw at you from some BI and data viz news to some databases and platform news to some tools and frameworks. And I know it was a pretty rapid fire hit this, uh, this month, but we'll be back in the next couple of months, like I said, with more interviews. And if you have any topics that you'd like to hear about or learn more about, please reach out to me on Twitter at loveofdata or at Robert Furr. So until next time, Keep sharing your love of data. And with that, this is Robert Furr signing off. We hope you're enjoying the For the Love of Data podcast. If you are, please support us by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts, such as iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. To stay plugged in to all things data, subscribe to our mailing list at fortheloveofdata.com. You can also find show notes for all of our episodes on the website as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic or ideas for future episodes. To get in touch, tweet us. We're at loveofdata or at Robert Furr on Twitter. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, keep spreading the love of data to the world around you.